This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. And first off, I want to welcome all of you who have found us somehow, either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I know stock investing has gotten really hot, and I'm sure many of you are out there. You're just on Spotify in the podcast category, obviously, and you're like, hey, I wonder if there's any good investing podcasts out there I can listen to. So you type in investing, and somehow maybe you found the value investor by doing that. And so here you are. But... I want you to know that this isn't the only podcast I do, but you may not know that. I actually have a second podcast that I put out every week. It's called The Zach's Market Edge, and that's also on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So search under that, search for Zach's Market Edge to get that podcast. So what's the difference between the Market Edge and the Value Investor? The Market Edge covers the broader range of topics including ETFs. We occasionally, but not very often, have done bonds. We talk about the economy. I've talked about FANG stocks, the hot biotechs. We do cover Warren Buffett over there as well. The cannabis stocks, uh, gold and commodities, energy, uh, social investing type of stuff, the ESGs, anything that's interesting that's going on in on Wall Street or with the stock market, or just investing in general, we tend to cover over there. Now, I usually have a guest on that show and I do the stock picks as well. So subscribe to the Zach's Market Edge and you'll get more kind of trading ideas than just here through the value investor. And just recently, if you are a trader, I just did an episode on the Market Edge with the best trading tips from one of Zach's own professional investors, Jeremy Mullen. He's been investing for 10 to 15 years on his own. Yeah, he's one of those guys with all the screens up at his desk and trading multiple stocks, all the charts, all the craziness. But he talks about all of how he does it and how he uh, has some tips that can help you if you're just starting out as a trader as well. So check that one out. That's a good episode. It's on the Zach's Market Edge again, Z-A-C-K-S market edge over on Spotify, but be sure to subscribe over there to get that podcast. So you'll get both the podcasts with all the stock picks every week. Okay. Now turning to this week's episode of the value investor, um, because there are so many new investors and you're all tuning in, I thought it was time to cover the value investing basics. I was asked this on Twitter, like, Hey, maybe you should give a primer, like a value investing 101 to those of us who are new. And maybe I should. This is episode number 199 of the Value Investor Podcast. And I have done some basic uh, kind of podcasts in the past, but it's been a while because we've been going for a number of years now. So I tend to forget that, hey, we have some newbies in here who are trying to figure out value investing and what it is. So that's what we're going to cover today. What is value investing? How do you find the value stocks? And then I'm going to run a basic value screen, which actually gave me some really interesting stocks this time. I'm kind of excited. And that could be because we're in the earnings season. So things are changing with the earnings estimates, but we're getting some uh, kind of interesting stories in the screen. So you want to stay through the end to get the stocks that are in that screen. But I'm going to start it off with the basic question, what is value investing? So it's really just buying companies that are cheap and that cheapness is based on their earnings or maybe like the sales. You can go both ways. In this 
podcast, I'm pretty, pretty much going to focus on the earnings. I'll do another one that talks about sales on another show. But this one is just going to be the very basic thing, and that's earnings. So by cheap stocks, that doesn't necessarily mean low price. That's where some people get it wrong. Value doesn't necessarily mean a stock under a dollar. That's not a value stock. Or maybe it is, but usually no. It, a value could be $100. A value stock could be a $1,000 stock. It doesn't matter what the share price is. It matters on what you're paying for the earnings of that company. So what makes a company get cheap? Why, why, why are some cheap and some others are not? And usually it's because the company is in an industry that is out of favor. So right now, what's out of favor? I'm sure you can come up with a lot of categories, but one of the big categories is the banks. Nobody wants to own them. They're not going anywhere. There's no like expensive banks out there that I can even think of right now. And some of that is because they were out of favor going into the pandemic. And now people are concerned about losses on loans. And, uh, you know, people, uh, businesses going under, homeowners going under, and the banks having to cover all of those losses on their balance sheets. So nobody really wants to touch the banks right here. So those, for the most part, are pretty cheap right now. Another thing that could cause cheapness is some kind of hiccup in the business model, some kind of disappointment, something that, uh, you know, is just just went wrong and that causes Wall Street to flee that particular company. And sometimes the fleeing is overdone and the stock gets like way too cheap. That's usually when you hear the word like oversold and that can happen and value investors can like dive in. You do have to be careful on these ones where there's a hiccup or something that it's not a total um, problem with the business model that can never be fixed because you don't want to own a company that's like that, where maybe it's like a blockbuster video where their business model has changed, but they haven't. And now there's no more need for the business model. So you got to watch with some value stocks kind of closely that you're not getting a value trap, that you truly are getting a value stock. Now, value stocks have historically been among the best performers in the stock market, especially the small cap value. But why is that? It sounds kind of hard to believe right now with all the growth stocks like soaring, like who would want value and why would that do good? But it's because you are getting the company on sale. You are getting in as an investor just as those earnings are cheap. So you're getting in uh, at a great point where if that company continues to grow the earnings, you know, the stock usually follows uh, after that. And you got in so cheap, you usually get in with a big run in the, in the stock and it has a longer runway then for for the rally in the, in the shares. So how do you find the value stocks? That's the next question I know many of you have. So we're gonna use the price to earnings ratio. That's the most basic of the ratios. You can use other ones, as I said, and I'll cover those in some other podcasts, but today we're gonna just talk about the PE as it's called. So price to earnings ratio or PE is price, the stock price divided by the earnings. And the lower it is, the better. So you want a low number here. And a low PE means you are paying less for those earnings. And that's what we want, right? We want, I want less. I, I want to get them on the cheap. So a PE under 10 is considered dirt cheap. Uh, anything in the single digits, that's considered dirt cheap. 
Now, the S&P 500 right now, I look, had to look this up because I haven't looked at it in a while, and the earnings have really taken a hit here because of the coronavirus. So they used to average about 16 to 18 times on the S&P 500 average, and right now it's trading with a forward P of 26. That's really high. That's like 1999 levels, right? But that's because the E, the earnings, have been cut due to the coronavirus and this horrible quarter that all the companies are reporting right now, the second quarter. But, and in addition, not only have the earnings been cut, but the P part of it, the price for a lot of companies has been on the rise. It's rebounded off those lows and now a lot of them are back at record highs. So you have the double combination of E being cut, P on the rise, it's getting you that 26 uh, average forward PE on the S&P 500, that's really high. So another reminder is you don't have to figure out the PE by yourself. So you don't have to, you know, get out the calculator on your phone or anything to um, and find the earnings and do all this stuff because all the financial sites have it figured out for you now. That's pretty easy. They got all the various metrics now on the various financial sites. So you can screen for it and, and look for it and it's easy. But you may notice that some of the sites use different PE ratios. This is something to keep in mind, and I've been tweeted at about it many times. So if you use Yahoo Finance, which I do, and I like that site, it's great, great uh, for all of its information. Yahoo Finance uses uh, a PE ratio that says uh, something a little different. So it says PE ratio TTM, and then it gives the number. So the TTM means that it's the trailing, the trailing earnings and PE ratio. So it's based off the prior confirmed earnings in the past. Those earnings are locked in, we know what they are, and it's trading off of that. Other sites like my own, Zax.com, they we use the forward PE and R says forward PE. And what that looks at is the analyst estimates of the earnings going forward. Now there's a lot of debate on, oh, that's cheating. The analysts can get it wrong. And what happens right now, you have a crisis. Everybody's estimates are being cut. The forward PEs are getting all messed up. Yes, but forward PE is betting on that earnings growth going forward. So I do like to use the forward PE more than the trailing. An example of the difference, I looked up Apple to see what the difference would be. So it has the trailing PE on Yahoo Finance is 29, but its forward PE based on the analyst estimates right now going forward is 30 on Zax.com. So slightly different. Some stocks have a lot bigger differences than just this on Apple, but um, something to keep in mind make sure you're checking what kind of PE ratio you're using on whatever financial site it is, because it does matter. Um, okay, so I already mentioned I like to use forward and um, because that's looking to maybe hopefully better news and the earnings growth going forward, um, but it's up to you to decide which one you want to use. So what should value investors be looking for for the PE? What should you be screening for? I like to use the PE under 15. I've mentioned that many times on this podcast. Sometimes we'll use 20 because that'll give us a wider universe, more stocks under 20. Occasionally we'll screen under 10 
for those dirt cheap stocks, as I mentioned, any kind of PE that's like a single digit is dirt cheap. And sometimes it's fun to see who is really trading at that cheap of a level and why. Because uh, when you get down that cheap, you do have to be aware that maybe something is going on in that company or in that industry for it to be that cheap that no one else is diving in to get it. But again, remember, the lower you go on the PE, the, the cheaper the company, the stock is. Okay, so now we're ready to run the basic screen that I talked about. So if I'm gonna use just the PE, I'm gonna screen with it at 15 to start. And I know I'm gonna get a lot of companies. So on zax.com, I went to the stock screener and I put in the PE, so it was 15 or under, so could be 15 or under, and it gave me 1,027 stocks. <laughs> so that's a little high there, and it would take me quite a bit of time just to look through 1,000 stocks. So that screen is basically worthless and not going to help me, right? So how can we narrow it further? Well, this is why I like to use Zach's um, and their information because th there's a real easy way to narrow it down and to get some juicy stocks in there. So I'm going to add the Zach's rank, which I use on most of my screens on the podcasts. And I always just kind of say, oh, we're using the ranks of one or twos, or you know, maybe sometimes a three, but I don't really talk about what it is. So what is the rank? So the Zach's rank was created in the 1980s and we've used it ever since. So it's been around a long time. It covers about 4,400 stocks. And those are the stocks the companies that have analyst coverage. So you have to have at least one analyst because they have to be giving us an earnings estimates. So we collect all the earnings data and the analyst estimates from the analysts and uh, we run it in this computer algorithm, which is the rank. And it looks at several different things. It looks at the changes that the analysts are making to their full year earnings estimates either good, like they're raising the estimates, or the bad, they're lowering them, they're cutting them. And it goes, uh, it looks at patterns in that, it looks at the earnings surprises, if the company is surprising, and um, it looks at the agreement of all the analysts. Are 10 analysts covering a certain company all in agreement that, yeah, we all have to raise earnings estimates here, or no, we're all cutting, then that has more power. So. When you look at the Zach's rank, it's not our analysts sitting there and ranking all these companies. It's everyone else's analysts, the, um, you know, Goldman, the um, Oppenheimer, the Morgan Stanley analyst, whoever it is. And we are gathering all that information and putting it into one place. So when all the analysts are raising their earnings estimates for the year, something good is usually going on. Um, especially right now in this kind of environment when the estimates have mostly been slashed and businesses are still struggling in this recovery here. So take a look at tractor supply, for instance. TSCO is the ticker. And that was the Zach's number one ranked stock um, until just today. And now it's suddenly dropped down to the number three, but it was a number one rank for over a week now. And that's the strong buy. And why was it? Well, they just reported earnings. They had a blowout second quarter. It's like one of the best retail quarters I've ever seen by any company. Huge uh, comparable store sales, like across the board, all geographies, all their departments, 
it was amazing. Kudos to Tractor Supply. So what did the analysts do? Because they blew it out and their guidance was much stronger going forward. Well, 12 estimates are were raised after that earnings report. The analysts went, whoops, what? we're being too bearish. And they all had to raise. So they were, those estimates and uh, those, those, the jump in it is signaling something good is going on at this company right now and something good is going on there. Now they have a PE of 23, so they're not gonna make my screen because I'm gonna screen for 15 and under, um, but they're slightly under the S&P 500's average PE here. So um, still not super expensive for a retailer that is crushing it. But what if I did add the Zach's number one rank to the PE under 15? So we had over a thousand stocks before, which is the PE under 15. Now I'm adding Zach's rank number one, strong buys. And those is only gonna be about 220 stocks on any given day. That's all that's in the Zach's rank number one. So I know I'm getting 220 at a minimum with just the Zach's number one ranks, but adding that PE for the cheapness it's going to narrow it down and it does and i got 77 stocks now that's not too bad because you can kind of look through a list of 77 and get some idea about what what's showing up who's cheap but has hopefully rising earnings estimates uh with the zach number one rank you know something good is going on there with earnings and i could see patterns in this list of 77 so i'm going to talk about it i picked out five stocks in the various groupings that are in this list now. And that's why I found this list to be really intriguing because it's different than what we saw even just a month ago, because a lot of these companies are reporting now, they are surprising uh, the street and the analysts a little bit behind, they were a little too bearish. Now they're raising in certain industries. And so these industries are coming to the forefront and the Zach's rank is helping us find those industries, the hot areas. So who's in it? the auto retailers. I've already talked about them on prior shows going into these earnings reports. Well, they're all reporting now and yes, it's good. Now we're new and used sales down for all of them. Yes, but they've able to sell a ton of used cars online and um, that area is picking up and now the dealerships have reopened. People want to buy their own cars because they don't want to take public transportation. They might not want to take that zip car that is not being cleaned. <laughs> Trust me, I know this because I'm a zip car customer. And so they might just be like, forget it. I'm going to go buy that used car and just have my own vehicle. So who's in this category? Asbury Automotive Group, ABG. Um, a as in Adam, B as in boy, G as in George. They have 83 dealerships across the US. They had record second quarter results in operating margin of 5.7%. They had 20% of their used car sales were done online. That's huge to buy a car online. This is like kind of changing people's perceptions of autos. And once you go down that, and once people figure out, oh, that was actually easy and I didn't mind buying a car online, <laughs> they will continue to do it. So. Um, Asbury Automotive Group is just one of the companies. They just reported earnings. So look for those earnings estimates to be adjusted, but they're trading at 10.6 times. So still really cheap for Asbury. Then we're going to switch over to cabinetry. So this is a play on uh, cocooning, wanting to be at home. You were at home for a couple months. 
you looked around, you said, ew, I hate those kitchen cabinets. When this all opens up again, I want new ones. Or you're just like, I can't take my house anymore. I'm moving, I'm moving into a brand new construction. And uh, so what, what do they need to do with brand new construction? They're putting in new kitchen cabinets there too. So the company American Woodmark, A-M-W-D-A as in Adam, M as in Mary, W, D as in David. So they haven't reported yet. They're reporting in late August, but they specialize in new construction and home remodeling for the cabinetry. Both of those areas have been really hot. They have a PE of just 12.8 right here. Well, they only have one analyst on this company because it's kind of a small, smaller, unknown company. And so that person has substantially raised their earnings estimates over the last couple of weeks here. So go check that out. Um, I thought maybe there had to be some kind of news, like a business update, because the uh, increase was so big, but I couldn't find one. So we'll see if they can live up to those high expectations here. But American Woodmark is on the cabinet side, and that's hot. And then switching over to the home builders themselves. So if you're putting in the new cabinets, you've got to put them in somewhere. And new home builders are, well, they're just killing it. This is probably the strongest home building market I've seen in quite a number of years, maybe since the bottom was hit in the housing market in 2012. But this is just people saying enough, enough of where I live. I'm, I'm thrown in the towel. I'm going to buy something new. And even if I had to do virtual tours, yes, people were buying online for housing too. Um, they are willing to do it. And also record low mortgage rates. That's the other driver here. It's like the perfect combination. Yes, I know a lot of people are unemployed, but if you've kept your job during the crisis, you may be in the position with those record low mortgage rates to actually go out there and buy. So my home builder pick could be any of them right now. They're all reporting great numbers, but I picked DR Horton. They just reported DHI. They blew it out. They have a PE of 13.2. They're one of the largest home builders across the country. Go check out what those earnings estimates are doing because they're on the way up, obviously. Okay, then switching over to an area that was hot the last couple months, but some people are thinking maybe it'll cool off here. But with the resurgence of the coronavirus in some areas, we still may be eating at home. So it's a supermarket. It's Kroger, KR. I've talked about them in the past. Earnings are still on the rise there. The PE is at 12.4, so it's still cheap. And people are still a little reluctant to go eat out. They still are cooking at home. This is the cocooning thing. They're buying that new grill, and they're eating at home this summer. So Kroger should still be doing good earnings numbers here over the next couple of quarters. Then we're going to wrap it up with a bank. So there were a couple banks on this list, even though those earnings have been cut on most of them, but not on this one, which just reported literally just yesterday. And that was July 28th. They just reported. So here on July 29th, the estimates are going to go up again because they had a massive earnings beat here. And which bank is this? Flagstar Bank Corps, ticker FBC. So F is in Frank. B is in Betty, C is in Cat. They have a P of just 8.1. So this is in the dirt cheap category. And I've seen Flagstar before. I've owned them in the Insider Trader because the insiders have been buying there off and on over the last like decade, basically. But what 
what makes it so good for them? Why aren't they hoarding cash or having the difficulties some of the other banks are having? And it's because they do both national mortgage lending and they do full service community banking in Michigan. So what's hot? Mortgages for the same reason the home builders and the cabinet guys are all hot. Record low mortgage rates, we're all rushing out there and they are making a ton of money. So it was the best results in the company's history in the second quarter. Think about that one. We did have a housing boom back in 2007, but this was the best results in their history. They had the massive beat, $2.03 versus $1.38, 47% beat there. So these estimates are going to be going up, but the shares are dirt cheap at 8.1. Now, I want to say I didn't look at the charts on any of these, even though I know some of them are in breakouts and have been hot. But with value investing, the chart isn't really the concern. We don't care what the chart is doing because that doesn't tell us whether or not it's expensive or cheap. But it can tell us whether or not it's going to have momentum and whether or not that momentum is going to continue. In the case of like DR Horton, clearly the home builders have had momentum over the last like two months or so. Those shares just keep climbing higher, but for right reasons, right? Because they are killing it and the business model is operating on all cylinders. So keep that in mind. You don't have to look at the chart even when you're trying to find value stocks. And always, we're always uncovering these hidden gems with the Zacks rank because while I'm aware of Flagstar Bancor, I wasn't really paying any attention until until I just did this podcast and used the rank to find this stock. Otherwise, it's just one of many kind of out there because I'm really not looking at a bank in Michigan, right? No, I'm not. But it has this interesting little side business of the national mortgage lending. So that's what the number one rank is good at doing. It's good at uh, flushing out those that are seeing something really good going on. Uh, same with DR Horton, same with American Woodmark. You might never have heard of that company. Same with these auto uh, retail dealerships. A lot of people ignoring that story. They're, they're looking only at the manufacturers like a GM or a Ford. They're not thinking about what's happening at the dealers themselves. So Zach's rank is great. Great to use to find all these things and you can use it on Zach's.com. So are these value stocks really boring? Seems to me no. But, uh, you know, some of these, like the home builders, while they're talked about, talked about on CNBC and Fox Business, I know people are tweeting about them, but not in the same way as they're tweeting about, you know, a Shopify or a Tesla or the Fangs or any of that. That's what makes it value, right? It's got the low PE, so it's still cheap on an earnings basis. And pretty much a lot of the street is still kind of ignoring the story of, the housing market and hey, maybe that might be in a boom right here. And so maybe we should go take a look and snoop around and see what is cheap there. And that's what value investing is all about. It's about finding some of these areas that the street is ignoring. So let me recap the stocks we talked about today and give you those tickers once again. Now I did mention Apple, it's no longer a value. It used to be for almost a decade there, but now it's way out of the value land for me um, as those shares soar, not saying that growth investors shouldn't be looking at it or own it or any of that, but it's no longer a value. So Apple, AAPL, talked about tractor supply. I wish it would go cheaper, but it's been on a huge rally here too. 
it had the earnings report to support the shares there on the growth side. So again, great retail uh, report here and momentum continuing into the next quarter. Tractor Supply, TSCO. Then we had Asbury Automotive, ABG. We had American Woodmark, the cabinet guys, AMWD. DR Horton is DHI. Kroger Supermarkets, still got to eat at home. Kroger KR. And then Flagstar Bancor, F. B, C. F is in Frank, B is in Betty, C is in Cat. And again, be sure you're subscribing to all of my podcasts, both this one, The Value Investor and The Market Edge on Spotify. You can find us both on there, but be sure to get us somewhere and I'll see you again next week with some more interesting value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.